Welcome to Boy Meets World Fever, brought to you by Oahu Beach Face Savers, unless someone real wants to sponsor us. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron. And I'm your other host, Chance. So Chance, what are we doing here today? Well, we are starting a podcast called Boy Meets World Fever, where we are going to be recapping every episode of Boy Meets World. Oh, I love it. Well, I hope so, because we came up with it together. It's true. Um, so yeah, we're going to go through every episode of Boy Meets World, most of the time, two at a time, but sometimes like today, one at a time. And we're going to talk about uh, things that happen in the episode, our thoughts on things that happen in the episode. And one of the things I'm most excited about is we're going to start building a timeline. Because I think most people who are fans of this show know the timeline is really, really crazy. But I think we've decided that we're going to approach it as if everything they say is true and canon, and it is up to us and our listeners, if we ever get any, to make the things that they say real, even if they seem impossible. Is that about right? That sounds about right to me, and it sounds like a tall task, but I think we're up to it. We've got the minds, we've got the creativity, and we're just going to give it all we've got. Yeah, I, uh, I'm really excited about it. I think building a timeline is going to be um, a whole lot of fun. Uh, and we're just big fans of this show. Um, we're going to try to be as critical as possible, but we're also just going to love on the show. It's going to be a pretty positive show. Uh, we're good friends. We love this show. There's not going to be a whole lot of negativity going on in here, unless unless it's well-deserved. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is, but not a whole lot. But first, we should tell you a little bit more about us, so you know who in the world you're listening to right now. Um, so my name is Cameron, and I'm a fifth grade teacher. Um, so I relate more to Mr. Feeney than uh, Corey at this point in my life. And I have a wife and two sons, and they're all just wonderful. Yeah, and I, that, that's just a little bit about who I am. I'm Chance, and I'm really going to be the Sean of our podcast. Cameron and I have been great friends uh, for our entire adult lives, and uh, I don't really have a family, uh, but I'm friends with someone who has a family, so I feel a lot like Sean. Pretty Um, much exactly like Sean. Yeah, I have a lot of jobs that are kind of hard to explain, (laughs) and I feel like that Sean and Girl Meets World kind of in a nutshell. Yeah, pretty much nailed it, and I guess that makes me Corey and Girl Meets World, since I'm a teacher. Yeah, you're a teacher and a dad of two. And a dad of two, exactly. <laughs> now, now you just need a much younger little girl to complete your Matthews family. <laughs> I, I think we're okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a little bit about us and who we are. Um, we went to college together. We've been friends uh, since 2007, good friends since a little bit after that. Um yeah, so it's just two friends getting together to talk about a show that they mutually love. Um, so to start off, this week we are looking at the pilot episode, um, yes. which was what started it all. Um, and so I'm going to give a brief kind of synopsis of the episode, and then we'll get into discussing it kind of beat by beat, all the stuff that happens. Uh, so this episode, the pilot, is all about love, as all great stories are. Um, and young Corey, 11-year-old boy in Philadelphia, just doesn't get it. He is just thinks it's the stupidest thing in the world, and he just butts heads with his teacher, Mr. Feeney, pretty much from the get-go. And then just throughout the episode, different um, things having to do with his older brother and other people falling in love just kind of ruins his life. And so he's coming to grips with what this thing is, um, gets attention from Mr. Feeney, and they have a wonderful scene together. Um, just which I think sets a dynamic for the show, but they have uh, kind of an understanding by the end, as they almost always do, 
everything just kind of gets wrapped up nicely. Talking about love. So this week, that's what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, um, I found it interesting that the original title for this episode was Brother's Keeper, which is an odd title, I feel like, for this episode. Mm -hmm. And it is also apparently a reference to the first episode of the show Miami Vice, which I have never before seen. (laughs) Never seen? From what I know of Miami Vice, I don't think it's anything like Boy Meets World. Maybe it is. Maybe we've been missing out. And I'm going to need to go watch that now. And there is the storyline about him and his brother, but I still feel like Brother's Keeper is just an odd... Mm -hmm. It's a little bit heavier. Isn't that the name of a later episode in the show? I don't know. We'll have to get there. I want to say it is, but we'll have to see. But yeah, so that's just a little piece of trivia for you. (laughs) It's a good one. Um, but so we're gonna go uh, just kind of scene by scene. We both took some notes um, and talk about you know we took notes sequentially. So we'll be talking about the things that uh, we feel like are worthy of discussion. So uh, the first thing I want to bring up is they establish the dynamic of Feeny and Corey really fast uh-huh. in that uh, cafeteria episode. And man, they have a lot of chemistry right off the bat. <laughs> they really do. Um, I love it. Growing up, um, watching the show, I think like any kid, I think I related a lot to Corey, just because that's where I was in life. Um, but having spent some time teaching kids, I get it with Mr. Feeney. And he is, like I never thought of him as a sassy man, but he is so sassy, and I love it. Um, just his very first interaction with Corey, where he has their parting ways, and he's just like, the astronauts must suck up learn from them um and just getting on Corey just right uh, from the get-go is just so choice just a delight would you ever tell one of your students that they need to suck up a little more oh yeah <laughs> there are many things that he said through the course of this episode that i was like i either have said that or need to say that at some point okay okay i like that yeah they're really sassy and then we're almost immediately introduced to sean who another interesting piece of trivia is not named in this entire episode mm, that is so weird because you know sean and Corey is just the dynamic that that i grew up watching and so just that he's not even a named character in the beginning is just so wild yeah it's it's crazy we're trying to do this um so just so you guys know at home we're cutting off all movies world watching from the beginning of this so we're trying to come at it as fresh and clean um, and in the moment as we possibly can. So we're tr- going to try not to reference things in the future, but how can we not reference Sean's <laughs> name? Uh-huh. He's arguably the second or third most po- most important character in the entire show. So I guess for this episode, we will refer to him as Good Hair Boy, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. That other, other kid has some pretty flowing locks as well, but he never shows up again. I broke our rule <laughs> yes. already. We've already broken our rule, but... <laughs> That's okay. We are fans of the show, so we'll know things like, hey, we never see that kid again. Which we don't. No. Unless you watch The Sandlot, and then you see him in The Sandlot. Wait, he's like in The Sandlot? I don't even think I knew that. Squints. The kid with the glasses. That was Squints? That was Squints. There's a lot of kids, or at least one other kid from The Sandlot that shows up. Yeah, I know know later on the uh, You Play Ball Like a Girl guy, Uh I forget his name, he's in the show. Yeah. But that's, we'll get to that. Yeah, that's considerably later on. But yeah, so Sean not being named is weird. Um, we'll try not to to reference him as Sean too often, but it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of hard because I've already said once in this podcast that I'm the Sean of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Before we even 
Got started. All right, what's the next thing we want to talk about? I just need to say I love the opening theme of the first season of Boy Meets World. I think it's such a good song. It's just like peppy. It's got those good different like horns going in it and all the, the keyboard. I just, I love it. The da 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 yeah, it's a type of like Muzak that could only uh-huh. really exist in a in a nineties yeah, opening. It's very theme. very mid nineties. It's so choice. Yeah, I completely agree. It's uh, a fantastic theme song. Um, we intend to use it for a few things in this very podcast. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. So past that, we're in class. Yes. Um, all right. Oh, I did write about the a theme song real quick. Just a funny oh, little note. Of course. I do love that all nineties theme songs end with and dad. Whoever the whoever the dad of the uh-huh. sitcom is, it's and last and. billing. Yeah, and they get it like an and, which uh-huh. I've always found weird. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes does it say as Alan? Uh, I don't know. So, like, that it song didn't comes this Alan time for like the last one, like Gilmore Girls, so and so as Richard Gilmore. Like he always got yeah, yeah, he did that, which no one else really did. Um, and Happy Days was the same as uh-huh. Todd How or uh, not Todd Howard. That's the guy who played Richie, but yeah, as the dad um, uh-huh. was uh, whatever his name there. was. Yeah, we're this is not a is Happy, not Days a Happy Days podcast, podcast. <laughs> nor will it ever be a Happy Days podcast. I mean, hey, I love Fonzie as much as anyone else loves Fonzie, and we'll get to talk about Fonzie later. But right now, we can't talk about Fonzie. This is because this is a wild show. Okay, so the first thing I want to bring up when we actually get to the show proper after the theme song, mm-hmm. why doesn't Feedy know what happens in Romeo and Juliet? <laughs> I had that too. That is not the way that the story goes. It's like, now, Romeo, you have to take your knife, and you know she's dead, so you have to kill yourself, and that's not what happens at all. No. Romeo poisons himself. Yeah, the Juliet wakes up, kisses him trying to get some of the poison, doesn't, and then she stabs herself. So, you know, I gotta say, as a teacher, I've been there. It Sometimes you mess up. You goof. And that doesn't make you a bad person, but probably should know how the important major characters in apparently Shakespeare's greatest testament to love end up dying. Yeah, especially if you're going to teach it. So, being in the moment as we are, we're starting off. Feeney's a sassy, but not great teacher at this point. No. Don't get me wrong. We all love William Daniels. This is not a knock on William Daniels. This is a knock on, hey, Feeney really should know how Romeo and Juliet ends. <laughs> he really should. Um, what's the next note you've got? Um, I've kind of alluded to it, but it's interesting that, uh, as Corey, because, you know, he's listening to the Phillies game instead of paying attention in class, and he gets in trouble, and then Feeney is talking about Romeo and Juliet, and he's like, this is, as I said, Shakespeare's greatest testament to love between a man and a woman. And I hear that, and having read the play and seen the play performed, it's like, is it though? Because it's just kind of two kids who maybe they love each other, but they really didn't know each other all that long and then they died. And so I don't know if that's the theme. I don't think that's really the theme of the story. Maybe it's like talk to each other. <laughs> maybe love between children is more intense than it probably should be. Yeah, which is kind of a theme of the show, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a theme of the later episodes for sure. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. It is kind of weird. I have the note, like, the all-consuming power of love is kind of a heavy topic for sixth grade, uh-huh. isn't it? And sixth grade? I never read any Shakespeare till like, ninth grade. And so it's just very interesting, sixth graders reading 
Shakespeare. But, you know, it's it's Philadelphia versus Oklahoma, so maybe Oklahoma schools are, you know, we're not the best. So maybe maybe that's more about us than about the rest of the country. I mean, I was, did sixth grade in northern Montana, uh, and we definitely did not do Shakespeare in sixth grade either. Okay, so. well, when I think of prestigious education, northern Montana comes to mind. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the the middle of nowhere, northern Montana. I this scene is also important for establishing something that you and I really want to do. We get the first official point on our timeline. Mm-hmm. Corey Matthews is eleven. He is. He says, "Are you aware that I'm eleven years old?" Yep. Which is important. When did this episode come out? Uh, nineteen ninety three. Uh, ninety three. I actually wrote down specifically when it's September twenty fourth, nineteen ninety three, at eight thirty. Okay. Well, we will put a pin in that and come back to it later as we start talking about the timeline. Specifically, we have our first data point of the timeline established here. And I think we can assume from this episode that he's in sixth grade because it seems to be towards the beginning of the year and Mm -hmm. he's 11. Um, But it is not said in the episode, so we cannot officially put him in sixth grade. We only know that he is 11. And then in the very next scene, uh, when Eric shows up, we don't learn his age, but we learn that he is in 10th grade. Mm -hmm. He says, every guy in the 10th grade wants to be me. So we learn that Eric is in 10th grade, which puts him in either 15 or 16, most likely. Mm -hmm. Yes, just based on this. But we'll come back to that. But when Corey does mention his age, Feeney has a comeback that I'm pretty sure I've said the spirit of this in my own classroom where he says, are you aware that I am 11 years old? As he's talking about the all-consuming power love. Are you aware that I'm 11 years old? And Feeney responds, are you aware that you have detention on Friday? And it's just, oh, it's so good. Like, it's just like, all right, Feeney, I hear you, I see you. I respect that. This is actually a point I wanted to bring up later, but uh-huh. it seems more uh, prudent to do it now. Is detention in school really like that? I don't feel like there was ever like that kind of detention, especially in grade school. I've never had anything like that. We don't have anything like that at our school. And I think in middle school here, um, they do like lunch detention, but I think they're even trying to get away from that just because it's more of a shameful practice than actually helpful. But it was the 90s, so okay. everybody went to detention. And it's like, we're in school, punishment is detention. I feel like it's more of a writing thing, writing a TV show more than it is an actual thing. Uh, interesting note, Cameron and I, are we're the same age, and we our grade school years went up to the year 2000, so we were literally 90s grade school kids. And I don't think I ever once got detention. No, but never. And not for lack, I was a really bad kid. I was a Sean. <laughs> I was, um, I guess, more of a Cory, or maybe more of a Minkus, if I'm being honest. But we don't know who Minkus is yet if we're not talking about further episodes. Cause he is in the opening. He's in the opening credits, but he's not anywhere in the show. Um, so I guess I was a Minkus <laughs> as, a, as a kid. Definitely not as an adult. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I was just like, I don't feel like this is an accurate representation of detention. So, if you were to punish a kid in your classroom for listening to a ball game, what would, how would, you, what would the punishment look like? Um, it might be coming in at recess, making up work then, or maybe calling home. Definitely confiscating whatever it is that they're listening on and holding on to that. But I'm going to give it back to them at the end of the day because it's like their thing. 
not my thing. Oh, you don't do the 90s thing where you give it all back to him at the end of the year? <laughs> no, that's just too much to keep track of. That's probably true. And I feel like parents would be like, why did you steal my kid's stuff? Uh-huh. That's what all parents sound like. They do. <laughs> no, they, they don't. There's wonderful parents out there. Many wonderful parents that I've worked with. I want all of you out there in Listenerville to know he like got near the mic and was like, no, 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 I don't <laughs> believe that. He wanted to make sure you know. He loved parents. Parents. Good. <laughs> that is all. Um, and then, um, so after the uh, Corey gets detention. Mm-hmm. Um, One last thing. Oh, please. The girl who plays Juliet. I just want more of her in the rest of the show. Spoiler, she's not, but she's just got a good attitude and energy to her. And she's trying to strangle the other kid um, up at the front. And, you know, I just, I liked it. I, I liked it too. She was a uh, strong, independent woman who didn't need no man. No, didn't need a Romeo. So yeah, I I was a big fan of her. Are we ready to move on? I Let's didn't want to. I didn't want to move past you. So now next we get the scene with Corey and Eric in their room, and we meet the family. Mm-hmm. What are your first thoughts about Eric in that scene? I feel like he seemed kind of like a classic older brother, older teenager, especially. So he's like going on a date, disappoints his brother because he's more interested in girls because he is probably 15. By my estimate, I think he would be 15. Um, we know the yeah, answers to these do, questions, we but we're trying but not to. He 15, so he's interested in girls and he's like less interested in his brother. Um, so I feel like he came across as like, I get it. That's like a kind of classic brother way to act, older brother. Yeah, I was actually surprised. Eric is one of my favorite characters in the entire show, but he doesn't make a strong first impression. He's more of a thorn in Corey's side mm-hmm. or an agitating force than he is like a character. He's a slow burn yeah. as a character. For sure. But you know who's not a slow burn? Uh, Morgan, Morgan Matthews. <laughs> the real star of this episode, I'm Breakout sure. Breakout star of episode one of One Meets World is Morgan. Yep. We uh, we get there. His parents confront him about detention. Uh, he's like, how do you know that? And they're like, well, Mr. Feeney's your neighbor. So we get that piece of information uh-huh. just kind of dropped there. That Mr. Feeney's the neighbor. Corey has what I would have thought of as a reasonable reaction. Oh, wow. We need to move. Uh-huh. And then Corey says, I don't understand the emotional impact of Full Full House. house. And Morgan delightfully says, I do. (laughs) I do have to say, though, Full House is a pretty emotional show. Lots of feelings, lots of hugging and caring and sharing, which an 11-year-old boy, other than me when I was 11 years old, probably isn't going to go for. I loved Full House. Yeah, that's wonderful. Let's stop this. We're going to start a Full House podcast. Just joking. Just joking. Though, this show did air between Family Matters and Step by Step, and I loved both of those shows, too. Mm-hmm. TGIF. Watch out. Uh, TGIF is so great. So, yeah, we get introduced to Morgan, who mm-hmm. is an absolute delight. Uh-huh. The other great line, when Corey's saying, Oh, I'll just take you to the game, and how about during the seventh inning stretch, I run around the stadium in my Spider-Man underwear, and she just responds... Well, you don't have to dress up for me. Just like completely going over her head, what he's really getting at, but still just having the best time. Yeah, so what Cameron is referring to real quick, just to kind of back up for a second, is uh, Eric has decided, as we've said, to take a date to the game instead of Corey. And so Corey does the only logical thing for an 11-year-old, runs to mom and dad. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, Eric talks about he should make other plans, and Morgan asks him, Why don't we go? You you and me can go to the game. And that's when we get that response from Corey. It'd be the absolute most embarrassing thing in the world. 
Yep, yep. And uh, yeah, it's a great it's a great introduction for Morgan. Uh-huh. She is an absolute delight in this episode. We meet the parents. It's true. Uh, in this scene, I think it's a strong introduction for them. Mm-hmm. Amy gets a, a really good introduction, just being really happy for her son getting the date. Uh-huh. So like you see, well, he obviously talked to her about it and saw her as a person he could go like, get advice with about girls. Um, so there's like a strong relationship that we see laid out here. Yep. And the dad teaches him, you know, he's like, how can you let Eric do this? And he's like, well, he bought the tickets. Mm-hmm. He can do what he wants with mm-hmm. them. Important lesson. Yep. So I, I think it's a really strong introduction for the family. Even if Eric maybe doesn't get the most personality in the introduction. What is the next scene? Or do you have anything left to talk about in this one? I don't think so. My next note just says Mr. Feeney is a stone cold killer and I'd like to report a murder, but I can't remember what he said. Okay. Uh, Well, the next scene is them in the uh, cafeteria again. And my first note is actually Corey's like, hey, we can go down and buy tickets from scalpers. And I just wrote, do 11 year olds buy scalped baseball tickets? It was the in 90s that just seems super duper sketch to me uh, yeah <laughs> i don't know it was kind of like that does help me remember how mr feeney is a stone cold killer though. oh please tell me how mr feeney is a stone cold killer so Corey goes to mr feeney after they talk about should we just go down and see if we can get some tickets he's like well don't you have detention so he tries to go talk his way out of it he's like mr feeney may i sit down and he just responds, like, I spend 35 to 40 hours a day, four hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon with you. Get out of my face. And <laughs> just like, perfect delivery. Leave me alone. I'm trying to eat my lunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do just want to like, point out that at the beginning of that, you said 40 hours a day. That would be a nightmare. Sometimes it feels that way. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know, that's a great line. <laughs> He's like, get out of my face. Get out of my face. And then he invites his little lady friend, which Uh we haven't mentioned yet. True. I think we see her in the opening. Yep, we see her in the opening. Actually, we see her in all three cafeteria scenes in this episode. We do. So that's uh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Feeney's got a little crush. Yeah, we see those a few times in the series. Yep, Feeney relationships. But this one started it off. We see layers to the man. He's like an onion. Yep, or an ogre. He's got layers. Yep. We also learn tragically in this scene that squints is an only child and as he disappears after this episode i'm i don't know if his parents just lose him or what but who knows uh but yeah so squints is an only child and apparently sean has a sibling oh not sean whoever sean is (laughs) good hair kid has a sibling Yep, so we learned that in this episode, um, and that's pretty much it for that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, then we cut to the treehouse, oh, yeah, which is he... interesting because Corey decides he's been betrayed by his family, so he decides to move out. And so naturally you're 11 years old, you move to the treehouse. Because you have one of those, because it's a 90s family sitcom, and everybody has a treehouse that I cannot... Thinking of the geography of the Matthews house, pinpoint exactly where it is. I know in my mind it's there behind like their patio area, and I think you see it there later, but it's not really there. Yes. It looks different, but I mean it is a pilot. The classroom looks different. Everything looks a little different. Everything does look a little different. You actually reminded me of another odd geography question I have about the Matthews house. Uh, in that first scene that's in the living room, mm-hmm. the entire time in that living room scene, the back door is open. <laughs> the entire time. And I'm just sitting here staring at this open back door and also wondering, knowing the layout of the Matthews home, where does that door lead? <laughs> it's a great question. 
because, at least from the establishing shot of their home, their home looks very wide. <clears throat> but it being a multi-cam sitcom, it's naturally very long because you're, you've got the stage set up. And so it's, it doesn't seem to match. It's like, where's all this extra side space in the house? I don't know. But I gotta say, having lived in northern coastal states before, if this is August, September, beginning of school, the weather's nice, you have your door open. It feels good. It's probably just on the side of their house, letting some fresh air in, just having a nice time. So I didn't even notice. Not that I just left my door open all the time. I, I could not. I, I've watched this episode a thousand times probably. I could not take my eyes off of this open door. <laughs> and it was just like, wait, the boys came from upstairs. Morgan and the mom are sitting on the couch. And the dad's like kind of rummaging over by the kitchen area. Mm-hmm. Why is that door open? Hmm. It's not like someone came through it and they didn't close it. But it's Does fine. Does this need to go on the timeline? No, this doesn't need to go <laughs> on the timeline. There's a ghost in their house. Hmm. This doesn't need to go in the timeline. It's just something that I noticed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway, back to the treehouse scene. Corey's in the treehouse, like you said, got kicked off. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he gets two visitors. He does. See his mom. Yep, brings him food. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only one I remember is chocolate pie. I did not read it down some chicken, because you oh, see him nice. eat it later. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right off the bone. Uh-huh. What a boss. Mm-hmm. Very good. And then he gets the most delightful visitor. Morgan. Morgan Matthews, uh, who wants to know if he wants to sleep with her doll. So cute. So nice and pure and wonderful. Yep. And then Corey makes a smart remark and Morgan goes, well, you don't have to get snippy. (laughs) And it is just the best. Yep. And then we get television. Oh, always good television, especially when you got Morgan Matthews. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, and then we get the inciting incident of Corey looking in to Feeney's house. Mm-hmm. So we see a scene play out without any words where Mr. Feeney has a table set for two, candles, the works. We see him get a phone call and then sort of downtroddenly he takes one of the place settings away and then sits down and eats by himself. And so we're thinking he's got a date set up with this woman that he's been eating in the cafeteria with and she was not able to make it to their dinner for whatever reason. And so now Mr. Feeney is sad eating by himself. That's what Corey definitely gathers from the situation as yeah. well. Yeah, he definitely does. Um, while he's really creepily just watching Mr. Feeney through his window the uh-huh. entire time. <laughs> he never looks up. He never sees the, this tree house that's right here that there's a, a boy eating this giant chicken thigh and leg, staring at me through my window. I guess it was a very good salad that he made. Yeah. He later comments on how good it was, actually. That's true, it's true. So it must have been a very engrossing salad. And then we cut to Corey breaking in to his room to get some underwear. Mm Mm-hmm, like you do. Uh, We already know that we both had the same reaction when the mother goes to confront him, Uh because she had a Nintendo Nintendo light light gun. gun. And uh, it's very exciting to see. It's part of my childhood. Uh Playing some duck hunt. It's got that orange and gray look. Such a good part of my childhood, playing Duck Hunt. I was terrible at Duck Hunt, but it just felt so cool. Uh, the one thing that struck me about this scene that I wrote down is, why doesn't the light gun have a cord in this scene? Because <laughs> there is no cord on there. And I get, for filming's sake, like it makes much more sense to like remove the cord because uh-huh. you can move it around and not have to worry about it. But as someone who grew up with a light gun, the thing needs a cord. But you know, that's movie magic. <laughs> that's movie magic. I like that. Um, yeah, and then uh, I really like the line, uh, what are you doing with my son's underwear he's like mom it's me she goes prove it he goes 
who else would want my underwear? <laughs> which, very true. Which is a great line, and, uh-huh. and it was a great read. I think Ben Savage, who we haven't mentioned, Ben Savage is the actor who plays Corey. I think he does a great job. I he think really he, does. I think he's got a lot of acting chops. Yes. He does a great job, really throughout the whole show, just being this kid trying to figure out the world. Um, he has a great line. It's not really like a memorable line, but I think it kind of stood out to me as his mom was talking about his disappointment and then Corey just goes well life goes on um and I know he's kind of just playing playing along with it as he said it I don't think he actually really felt that way just yet but as I'm thinking about the rest of the show I'm like Corey really (laughs) never takes his own advice here about well life just goes on um which is kind of the the premise of the whole show Corey not taking that bit of advice yeah in any way yeah, he's kind of obsessive about a lot of things that go on in life. I also feel like this is where the morals of the... Like, I feel like the episode is definitely trying to get a moral across. Uh-huh. But I kind of start losing track of exactly what that moral is mm-hmm. at this point. Like, is it about family? Is it about love? Is it about, like, w- acceptance? What is... Yeah, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> what maybe are they- family? They wanted to call it Brother's Keeper yeah. to start, which is maybe telling... It could be family, but also, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's really... I, I just wrote down, I feel like there are like three conflicting morals here, and I'm not sure which one they're trying to get across. <laughs> which one really sticks. Then we cut to Corey in detention. He, I, he does make a comment that I relate to where he says, 11-year-old boys definitely are, aren't... We don't sit still for 38 minutes. I was like, it's so true. 11-year-old boys don't sit still for a minute. <laughs> Honestly, so did he can go thirty-eight? Pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, he was he was silent for thirty-eight. He really wanted to get out and go buy his scalp tickets. His scalp tickets. <laughs> get into that game unsupervised. He's having a great time. Uh, I have a note here that kind of goes into what we were talking about earlier um, when Feeney starts talking. Where they're talking about the point of uh, Romeo and Juliet is that love is worth like killing yourself for. It's like uh-huh. that's not that's not the point of yeah, Romeo. That's definitely and Juliet. not it. Nice try. What was that, Mr. Feeney, that said that, or Corey? Uh, I think Corey says it, and then Mr. Feeney kind of agrees with it. Mm. I did love Mr. Feeney's line when Corey gave his whole spiel about you know love is pointless and it doesn't mean anything and all mr feeney says is you shrewd little observer of the human condition (laughs) and then he names all these great poets and authors it's like you know what they all had in common they weren't 11 (laughs) it's true they all to be fair to mr feeney they probably had something else in common they all know how romeo and juliet ended also according to Corey, they all took mr feeney's class so maybe they didn't know how Romeo and Juliet ended. It's true. Maybe William Shakespeare himself didn't quite know. Um, there was a really clever thing that I uh, noticed in this this watch through that I've never noticed before. But Corey um, says that detention is a cruel and unusual life-sucking torture. And then later on, Mr. Feeney says, uh, those who have no love will be in detention forever. And I never realized that that was calling back to that Corey line saying those who find no love will be in a cruel and unusual life-sucking torture. So I never noticed that before, but... Smart Mr. Feeney making those callbacks. Yeah, so he's talking about a life of love just being, like, really terrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good old Mr. Feeney. Maybe he is a good teacher. Yeah, I think throughout this episode, we do know that even though he doesn't know how Romeo and Juliet ended, he's a pretty good teacher. Uh He contains multitudes. (laughs) We'll give him a pass on Romeo and Juliet for now. 
I don't know if I'll ever give him a pass because I think it's really <laughs> funny that the first time we ever see him teaching, he's teaching the wrong yeah, thing. It's, it's so true. <laughs> Not a good teacher. But uh, that being said, uh, the scene I think is really impactful. Um, shows William Daniels, the actor who plays Mr. Feeney, uh, shows his acting chops really well. Would you ever be allowed to actually talk that way to a student? I'm trying to think. Which way? Well, he's just really direct, I feel like. I mean, he's not... He's never, like, directly insulting, but he is pretty harsh in that scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just kind of depends. You got to know your students and you want to talk to them kind of at their level. You don't want to be mean or rude. Like, I always talk about being kind. And so I try to be kind, but then sometimes it's like, let's just be real right now. Like, this is what's going on and we need to address it. And I'm not going to beat around the bush. Like, this is messed up, what you're doing or whatever. So... Sometimes you do call it out, but some, some you're usually nicer than that. Yeah, yeah, I do feel like uh, Mr. Feeney is well acted, nippy in the, all the right ways, but kind of harsh. Mm-hmm. He can be. That's what I love about him. I think that's what we all love about him. And then right after that, Corey moves back in. Mm-hmm. Everything kind of gets wrapped up with a nice bow, and again, we kind of get the conflicting uh, morals of the story where it's like, oh, I'll hang out with my little sister. Oh, I'll tell my brother that love is worth it. Oh, I moved back in with my family. It's like, what are we trying to say? Yeah, and then they add the moral in um, in the earlier episode where he's getting his underwear, and now of like Corey abandoning his father, like he mm-hmm. used to play catch, and then he started getting his other friends to play catch, but the dad's okay with that. Mm-hmm. So it's so, like, what are we really trying to say here? It's like, good things... But we're just going to kind of shove them all together. It's the pilot, so we'll get it all ironed out later in episode two. Yeah. What exactly we want. I don't hold it against it that the moral's so muddled, but I'm just, you know, you they make the the Full House reference earlier. You always know what that moral's about. Uh-huh. The music starts in Full House, and there's maybe some fake tears, and well, let's just hug. And I know, I know we didn't solve anything, but talking about it really helps. Yeah. You know, things like that. Yep, and then uh, the next scene, they're up in their room, and Corey is playing definitely not Duck Hunt, but I think is supposed to be Duck Hunt. <laughs> die! <laughs> die! Die! That's what I do when I play Duck Hunt. Yeah, and Eric goes, the reason I think it's got to be Duck Hunt is because Eric says, oh, you forgot to shoot the little dog in the corner, and like, that's and then he Duck does. Hunt. He does, which you can actually do in Duck Hunt, so maybe it's not Duck Hunt. I don't know. Who knows? But it definitely doesn't sound anything like Duck Hunt. Maybe it was like, oh, we don't want to get sued by Nintendo or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my first fashion note here. Oh, do tell. Uh, you know the multicolor sweater that Eric is wearing mm-hmm. in that in that scene? Um, I swear that several of the young girls that I work with at one of my jobs wear sweaters exactly like that today. Oh, right. It's coming back around. Makes sense. Maybe we'll all start wearing like three or four sizes too big t-shirts and sports jerseys like Corey does throughout the entire show. Uh, Or at least this entire episode. We're just like a cloak. Yeah. Almost. Which I think I'd be down with wearing a cloak or a robe. Just kind of nice. I mean, I do find cloaks very dashing. Mm -hmm. Dashing is the right word. Uh, And then Corey at the end when he's talking about putting his sister down, I think he says the line that encapsulates the whole show for me. And it starts here in episode one, the pilot, where he says, his mom is asking him why he's deciding to put his sister to bed. He says, because I don't understand anything about my entire life. And if we could sum up Boy Meets World in one sentence, it is because I don't understand anything about my entire life. 
I also wrote that quote down, and I wrote basically the thesis statement for who's Corey's character. Uh-huh. Corey's character Very should much be. So. That's why he's meeting the world because he doesn't know the world. Okay, the next scene um, after he put his sister to bed, um, I did like how Mort he asks, "Don't you want to ask? I mean, I have tea with you." And Morgan just throws the dolly. Out of the chair. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty great. Morgan, MVP of this uh-huh. episode. I think we can all agree. Mm-hmm. She and Mr. Feeney, yeah. I think, are the breakouts. Uh, we go back to, right after that, we go right back to the cafeteria one more time. And Feeney gets his date. He gets a date. Turns out it wasn't actually her that called to cancel. Um, it was his sister who wasn't able to make it. Don't know if we ever hear tell of his sister ever again. But he's got a sister, supposedly. Yeah, I think he has a niece later. That's true. So we can't talk about her yet. But he has a... <clears throat> niece later and then yeah him walking away and saying confused and he's like yes i am sir good good as it should be or something like that (laughs) good as it should be which again exactly the thesis of Corey. Uh-huh. Just be confused, confused. the whole show. Um, and then that's that's the episode. That's it. Fade to credits. Uh, so what did we think about this episode? What are your final thoughts? You know, I think it feels exactly like Boy Meets World ends up feeling. It's like the good sort of template that sets the tone for, I think, a lot of the show, at least when I think about it. And I mean, you don't just always turn in the template you don't like you build on the template but it it sets it all there for us like the foundation for the show so i think it's good it's not like this blows me away or made me laugh had me rolling or really taught me a good strong life lesson because i don't think it knew what it was trying to say um but i think it was good yeah i think it was good too i think it was kind of like the tent pole or the center pole of like boy meets world like this is the median Mm -hmm. this is what we're building on like everything will be built up from here um i definitely don't think it's bad i think it's a good introduction um i think a great introduction for the whole family mm-hmm. i have a sense that the family was maybe supposed to be a little more important mm-hmm. in these beginning episodes before it becomes more about the kids and friendship so i think it does a really good job setting up the family does a terrible job sh- setting up sean and minkus who i'm only mentioning because they are both in the opening credits um mm-hmm. so you see them in the opening credits and then you're like one of those guys wasn't even in there who is that blonde nerdy looking kid and i don't know and the kid throwing the paper airplane isn't even named. It definitely doesn't throw any airplanes. Nope. So um, it doesn't do a great job of setting, of setting them up, but it does a great job of setting up uh, the family and Mr. Feeney, mm-hmm. uh, which, yeah, I think that was all great. Um, and then uh, one of the notes that I wrote down um, that I thought was really interesting is apparently in the original conception for the story, Feeney is Corey's nemesis. Like that's mm. kind of how it was all set up to be. Uh-huh. How do you feel like that is reflected? I feel like you kind of see it. It's a little bit... Well, it's interesting, um, especially thinking as a teacher, um, like from Mr. Feeney's perspective. Like, there are students that are sometimes a pain to deal with, honestly, and I think Corey is that for Mr. Feeney. But then we see the moment where they're together and Mr. Feeney's talking to him and kind of helping him understand and learn something and really wants him to have that moment. I think that that's true as well. It's like, just because a student might be maybe a pain in your side doesn't mean you want them to fail. Or it shouldn't mean that. I don't think you're being a good teacher if you're like, well, I just hate their guts and they're terrible and I don't want them to learn or grow as a person because that's not the point of trying to teach somebody. You're probably going to feel that way sometimes. And I think you see that with Corey and Mr. Feeney where there is sort of a almost adversarial at times, like get out of my face. But at the end of the day, I think he really cares for his student. Yeah, I don't really get a nemesis relationship either. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little in this episode with the whole like, you know, get out of my face talk and the and the suck up talk. Um, but it definitely seems like it's going to be more of a, I don't want to say a fatherly relationship. That's probably being painted by my future 
your knowledge of the show. Mm-hmm. But definitely a, a more cordial relationship. Mm-hmm. I think he pushes Corey. Yeah. Corey needs to be pushed. Yeah, kind of a build up. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so if you were going to give this, we don't know if we're going to do this every time. We're kind of figuring this out as we go along with you. But this time, if you're going to give this a rating out of five, what would you give it? I'd say probably three, maybe three and a half. Yeah. Just I think what it is, it does a good job. And kind of in light of the whole series, it's kind of middle of the road. Um, it's not bad. It's not great. It's right there in the middle. Yeah, I think so too. I really do think this is the median for Boy Meets World. So I would give it definitely a three, I think. Um, interesting, the, there was a big article that came out right after this about how Boy Meets World's going to do great in the ratings. It was pretty much engineered to do great in this time slot with this cast. And he said he would give it a two out of four. But if you wanted to give it a three out of four, he definitely would and argue with you so that's kind of how i'm feeling too kind of year three three and a half like you know if you wanted to go up to four in this episode i totally get it i think especially considering that it's the first one maybe it even deserves it Mm -hmm. but yeah i i I think there are much more enjoyable episodes to come that we'll get to so many enjoyable episodes (laughs) and you know i kind of have to give it points off like i'm still not sure what exactly Corey was supposed to be learning was he learning about romeo and juliet style love was he learning about family love yeah, we don't know i guess in the end of the day he was learning about growing up uh-huh. he's learning about the world yep he was learning about the world he was learning about growing up and people just kept using the love word a lot for uh-huh. whatever that's reason what you do. um but yeah i think that's the end of my notes how about you mm-hmm. so timeline yes oh just so you guys know we're not going to be saying this on air but for our uh our notes we have it set up into boys meet so that was boys meet episode we did boys meet intro earlier this is boys meet timeline where we are going to talk about the things we need to set up on the timeline Mm -hmm. which is pretty small today Mm -hmm. nothing conflicting because it's all blank slate i think most of the first season is pretty continuity correct in and of itself it doesn't get crazy just yet but so far we know Corey is 11 i don't think it says he's in the sixth grade but we do know that his brother is in the 10th grade yeah and is probably 15 maybe 16 um but is probably 15 probably 15 in terms of ages that's all we really know we don't know how old anybody else is yep we never learn anything about alan or amy Mm -hmm. in their age we don't learn anything about feeney's age we don't even learn about morgan's age yeah but we do know the Matthews live next door to Mr. Feeney. I don't think they even say the name of the school. I don't know if it was on anything in the background. I don't know that they ever say the name of the, of elementary, the elementary school, school in general. So the timeline at this point is pretty clear. Starting in 1993, which is where we're just going to assume this is set, because that's when the episode premiered. Corey is 11. Eric is 15, maybe 16. Yep. So uh, what we're going to be doing with this timeline is every time an age is mentioned or a important event is uh-huh. mentioned or anything like that, about a character basically like a show bible yeah we're just piecing it all together and making it all work yeah so we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and do that um i think we've talked kind of privately i think we're going to assume because i don't think the ages of the parents are ever really done but they probably like were born no later than 1960 mm-hmm. um, if they were born in 1960 that would put them at about 19 when they had eric which seems about right mm-hmm. we won't put that on the official timeline that's just kind of speculation at this point but the only two points we can put on the timeline right now is uh Corey 11 Eric 10th grade mm-hmm. that's the entire timeline right now um we might go back and add family relations because those get kind of wonky too so Feeney's sister mm-hmm. is another thing we could probably put on there then we'll write it all down maybe we'll post a link on Twitter or something so that everybody at home can play along 
yeah, we really want you guys to be following along with the timeline and correcting us because we're going to get stuff wrong. Oh, we're going to get so many things wrong. Uh, but do remember, we are, we're trying to create this timeline real time. So if you're like, oh, I want to add this thing to the timeline from season three, that's not what we're, we're doing. We're going to get there. Yeah, we're going to try to evolve this timeline as the show itself evolves uh, instead of, you know, putting it all together this way. And even though Cameron and I know about a lot of the problems with the timeline, we've never, we've never done this. Mm-hmm. So this will be try to make them all work. Yeah, this will be a fun experiment for us as well. So yeah, um, we've got two points on the timeline: Eric tenth grade, Corey eleven, and that's where we're at. So yeah, that's uh, boys meet timeline. Mm -hmm. And um, now we want to have boys meet listeners, but we don't have any because this is the first episode. And let's be honest, we probably never will, but we hope we do. And sure would be nice. So if you ever in the future want to add anything, correct anything, say, man, I really love when Mr. Feeney said this or when Morgan said that, because those are the two best characters. So who else are you going to talk about? But you guys didn't talk about it. Shoot us a, a message. We'll get that info out. Can always reach out on Twitter. Yeah, we've got a Twitter set up and uh, we've got a Gmail set up. Um, I think we want to do a little bit more work before we get it officially out there. But by the time we record a second episode, we'll have that all mm -hmm. solidly nailed down. And then you can start sending. Just the floodgates will open and everybody's going to be sending us just hundreds of messages about how wonderful. And uh, if you are a sponsor out there, you know, we don't have to be sponsored by the fake Oahu, Oahu Beach, Beach Face, face savers. savers. We can just, we can be sponsored by you, uh, MeUndies. Squarespace, get at us. <laughs> no, we don't expect that to ever happen. We're just doing this for fun to have some creative outlook. But yeah, uh, a few things I think we've forgotten to mention. Uh, we are also, it's called Boy Meets World Fever, um, but that's mostly because we are boys. We will also be covering Girl Meets World. Mm -hmm. Eventually. It's going to yeah. take us some time to get there. Yeah, and we're going to do, like we said, two episodes. So if you guys want to uh, listen along with us, uh, kind of go along and make your own notes, um, we'll be doing episodes two and three. Mm -hmm. um, I really should have wrote down what they were called so I can say them on air, but I didn't. I'll mm -hmm. do that next time. But yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, we're living in a time, uh, probably one of the easiest times to watch the show. We can just stream it really easily. Um, so yeah. easy to catch up if you want to do that and play along at home. Yep, give the uh, Disney Corporation your money, and, and you can watch Boy Meets space. World and Girl Meets World. Yes. Um, other than that, uh, we hope to someday have some listener mail to go over. Uh, we'll probably record a few um, in advance, so we'll probably talk more about listener mail, but not have any for a while. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, hopefully, we can get some listeners who will send something in. I don't know, maybe Time our parents. <laughs> probably not Chance's parents. No, probably not my parents. But maybe Cameron's parents, maybe Cameron's wife. Who knows? Sky's the limit. So yeah, I think that's all I have. Me too. Well, all this right. has been Boy Meets World Fever, brought to you by Oahu Face Sa Oahu Beach Face Savers. Unless someone real decides that they want to sponsor us. Um, thank you so much for listening. Again, my name is Cameron, and I'm Chance, and we don't have a sign off. We do not. So long, world. <laughs>